It's podcast 44 from Football Adanya, your home of Dutch football. I'm Michael Statham and I'm joined by Michael Bell and Charlie Pritchard to talk everything Dutch football from the national team to the Eredivisie. We're going to review a fantastic 2018. A very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year to all of our listeners who might be listening to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes or Football Nation Radio. We hope you enjoy. Okay, Mike, Charlie, um, let's get started with uh, Ajax against Real Madrid. That's the news this week. Um, Ajax pulled out Real Madrid in the Champions League last 16 draw. And there seems to be quite a lot of optimism surrounding the club with this draw. Um, you think, you know, Real Madrid, that's quite a frightening tie. But with the season they've had, they're currently sitting in fourth in La Liga. Uh, what do we both make of the chances there for Ajax? Yeah, I think it's funny going into the draw. There's a lot of people saying that you know, the best that Ajax would probably get was either Porto or Real Madrid. And that's quite funny considering they've won it the last two years in a row. You think they'd be the one to avoid. But yeah, um, I think Ajax definitely have a chance with this one. I think that if you look at Real Madrid's form um, this season, they've lost Ronaldo, they've lost their key man. Um, I think they're shaky all over the pitch. They've got one or two, obviously, still excellent players. Luka Modric is obviously a massive player for them. Um, Gareth Bale in the attack. But I think that if Ajax can attack them, um, they've got ch- so many players over the pitch that can cause Real Madrid trouble. And I think that, you know, you look at the home match as being crucial. If Ajax can, can get a lead, then um, I think that the pressure that's surrounding Real Madrid at the moment might just tell. And uh, yeah, I would tip Ajax to, to cause a bit of a shock here. Yeah, I think that um, Cristiano Ronaldo was so integral to that Real Madrid team winning the Champions League three times in a row. And they would always pull through against the really big teams. Uh, last year, you remember, they played Juve and PSG and he always pulled them through, even if they didn't look like uh, they were in frightening form. And it was the same in the final. They pulled out some really good goals there with Gareth Bale. But without Ronaldo, there's that presence uh, missing. And there's that who's their key man? That's a good question. Sergio Ramos at the back could be quite erratic, even though he's their leader. And, and Ajax can certainly cause some problems. It depends what Ten Hag does up front. Um, he... He could put in it could put in Dolberg, um, but Ziyech and Tadic out wide coming back into form now looking really frightening, and obviously that midfield battle will be really interesting. And I think Ajax probably need to win in Amsterdam to have a chance. Yeah, I think you're looking at that home tie, that first leg, where they really have to cause that damage. Um, but they've done really well against Bayern Munich, one-one away draw, three-three at home. So you know the attacking intent will be there, and I'm sure they have the tools to hurt. Real Madrid. But whether this can be done over two legs is another question. And with all the experience that Real Madrid have in Europe as well, um, who's to say that, that Ajax have, a, have, a, have a, a strong opportunity because we're talking about Real Madrid here, um, who are a powerhouse in Europe. Um, but, you know, let, let's see how they get on. And um, I think it's another chance for their leading lights to shine as well on the European stage and advertise themselves as well to that bigger move. That's ultimately why they're staying at the club past January's for this two-legged tie against Real Madrid to sort of prove what they're made of um, on the biggest stage. Um, but, you know, if, if we look ahead to February, do we say yes or no in one word? Are, are Ajax actually going to make this? Yes, I think they will. I think they will. I'm looking at the defence of Ajax as well and it's just looking so strong at the moment. And with, with Real Madrid lacking that impetus that Ronaldo brought, I, I can see De Ligt really shining through particularly. And the goalkeeper, Anana as well, maybe I can see him pulling off some really good saves. Uh, but 
you know, maybe I'm being idealistic, but I just think, think Ajax right now, the way that they've played in their group has been so professional and they've actually played some really good football. I'll say yes as well now. Um, we'll just wait and see what happens in the, the January transfer window. Um, I think with the, the pressure around Real Madrid at the moment, they might decide to bring in a couple of players and there's always going to be some reports of some of the Ajax players getting picked up and I think that the interest surrounding Hakim Ziyech um, might might happen in January. Something might happen around him if some club comes in with a 30, 40 million pound bid. None of the other big players I can see leaving, but there'd be question marks over Hakim Ziyech. And I just want to see how the two teams line up when it actually comes to February, because if they lined up right now, I'd put Ajax as favourites, but then we'll see what happens in a month's time. Yeah, it's, it's still a, a long two months away, isn't it? And a big transfer window in between, which I'm sure Ajax may not be busy in, but Real Madrid certainly will be looking to invest. Um, Mike, you spoke about Hakim Ziyech there with the transfer rumours. Um, what's the latest on that and which clubs have been interested? Considering in the past, transfers have always been dragged out with Ziyech and it's never quite gone through. Who's interested this time? Yeah, well, you see um, in the past, it's been clubs like Roma, um, Sampdoria, the past. Um, and I think Roma, again, with them struggling, might be the one that actually pushes through and tries to go for a move in January. Um, they're not having a great season and if uh, they get back to January they might try and bring him in to turn their season around. Well yeah, no, he was um, again on form today as Ajax beat uh, Utrecht 2-1, uh, 3-1, sorry, it's a last minute third goal. Um, Ajax weren't at their best but they still got another result dug out and the title race is certainly hot between PSV and Ajax right now. Only two points at the winter break but PSV ultimately are the the winter champions. Um, just wanted to get both your thoughts on the title race up to this point. We're at the halfway point of the Eredivisie the season and what have you made of the season so far and what do you make of this um, title race? Well, I think that PSV started it, they had a blistering start. I mean, they beat Ajax 3-0 in that game in, in September as well and, and there's been kind of been two parts to it. Ajax were kind of finding their way, finding their feet. They were winning games but Ten Hag was, was looking for more. He was maybe underwhelmed at times but in recent months in the last two months good november and good december for ajax ten hag's been much happier with with the way that they're playing and they're being and they're playing with more clinical edge uh thinking about the 8-0 against the grass um when ziak and blind scored hat tricks um and then obviously psv wobbled at the kite so into it's been in kind of two parts and it's set up the the second part of the season really nicely and i don't know which way it will go to be honest both the teams have got really good defences. They've got exactly the same uh, record for goals for and, and goals against. It's just that two points that separates them. So it's really exciting going forward. Yeah, it's been a great title race so far um, between the two of them. That are, the two clubs are obviously the best in the league. Um, they're far, far better than anyone else. And that's why there is you know, a 10-point gap between Ajax in second and Feyenoord in third. I think it's going to go to the wire between both of them. I tipped PSV uh, before the start of the season and I'll stick with that. But I think it's going to be a lot closer now than maybe what I was expecting it to be. Um, and I've actually got some question marks around PSV at the moment, especially in their midfield with what's happening with you know Gaston Pereiro um, and around him and who comes in and does it make it stronger. Then you've got PSV to have to head to Amsterdam later in the season. Are they going to be able to you know, get the three points or the point needed there to maybe win the title? Um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I'm going to stick with PSV um, since I've tipped them before the season, but I think it's a lot closer now, especially since Ajax have been in such good form recently. 
And it, it seems that when they're on form, they can just tear teams apart. And they've got so many options from the bench. And you think Casper Doberg banging in the goals now and Hunter can't even get in there. And he's had a good goal-scoring rate so far this season as well. They've got Sink Raven back, just added something to the midfield. They look strong over the pitch. Um, and they're not dropping points um, like they were last season. I know they slipped up early in the season against Heracles, but since then they've just been clinical and they're, they're sweeping teams away, which is uh, frightening for the rest of the league at the moment. Yeah, the mentality of Ajax has been superb um, this season. I think you have to put that down as to why they've done so well. Um, it's the fact that they've put their, got their heads down and they've won games, such as today, um, beating me to that. It's a really tricky opponent to play. Um, but they got the three points confidently. Um, and I also think, yeah, the the goals that, that have been scored, they're not being scored by Hunter and Dolber all the time. There's a good sort of sharing of the burden between those two strikers. At the same token, I, I, I think that also is a, a slight weakness for Ajax when it comes to maybe a tricky, tricky period of the season. I'm sure they will have it when they've been bogged down with Europe and the cup games that they're going to need goals to get them out of sticky situations. And I think that it comes down to Dolberg and Huntelaar to try and get them those goals. And I saw a stat that said that Dolberg and Huntelaar are um, two of the three top most wasteful strikers in the Eredivisie this season. They haven't scored a lot of goals. They're not top of the goal scorers list, despite Ajax scoring 60 goals so far this season. Is that a concern um, for me? I think when it comes to getting a last-minute winner away from home and the strikers aren't clinical enough to take chances, it could be costly. And it's such fine margins at the moment between these two teams. I think it's fascinating that they've put these expectations upon each other. It just makes them so much better. Um, better, better for us to watch, um, but also better for those teams to try and improve further. And it also makes them more competitive in Europe because of that. Um, but yeah, no, we, we've, we've, we're sort of both sides of the fence here, Mike. You're PSV and I'm Ajax. Um, not supporting, but a team we think will win the Eredivisie. Um, James also is tipping Ajax. But Charlie, you're um, new to the podcast, of course. We've rotated with James. You've been substituted for today. Um, yeah. We want to get your opinion on who we think, well, who you think will win the Eredivisie. Has it changed from the start of the season? Yeah, well, I, at the start of the season, I thought PSV. Um, I've seen PSV live as well this season. I was really impressed with them, albeit against a 10-man and poor Heronbane side. Um, but I've been so impressed with Ajax in, in, in recent weeks, uh, so it's really hard to call this one. But I'm going to stick with PSV. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying the width that, that Dumfries and Angelina provide, and they've got Luke de Jong firing the goal, so maybe it's that striker. Uh, element which is separating the two teams at the moment and obviously Lozano and Bergwijn aren't exactly um, out of form they're playing really well uh, it's just that midfield I think that Ajax are, are more superior um, but having said that you know we'll talk about later Pablo Rosario in that midfield for PSV been a really good young player um, and they don't have the distraction of European football so I'm going to stick with PSV yeah okay so two two of our writers sitting on either side of the fence there, really fascinating. I should just clarify, by the way, James is currently on holiday in Spain, um, hence why he couldn't make today's podcast. But Charlie, so far you're doing a fine job. Oh, thank you very much, Michael. Let's look ahead to um, 2019 then. So, so far we've had many great players emerging for Eredivisie, as they always do. Fascinating young players to watch too. Um, let's get your opinions then on, on who you think's had a fantastic 2018 um, and a good first half to the season. Uh, I suspect from both of you, it might might be from 
a player from PSV or Ajax, but let's just get your opinions on that. Who do you think has been the best player to watch so far this season in the league? Player of the season so far, I've had to go with, um, you know, honourable mention to Luke de Jong. I think he's, he's been exceptional, but I've gone for Hakim Ziyech um, in Ajax. I think when he's not in the Ajax side, they miss something greatly. Um, you said earlier on that Ajax might struggle if they don't have that person to pop up with last-minute goals, and I think... Ziyech and Tadic have been the ones to, to do that this season. I think Ziyech's the one that's carrying this Ajax side um, to that little bit of extra quality. You know, 10 goals and 6 assists so far. And I think if they can keep him past January, they're, they're doing excellent. I just don't know what the rest of Europe are, are waiting for. I mean, this is an exceptional player at the top of his game. You saw him impress the World Cup and he keeps doing it this season. And even in Europe in the Champions League, he's been excellent. So... It's it's great that we get to see him week in, week out in the Eredivisie before he goes off to a bigger club eventually. Um, but I think he's been the, the star of the show so far for me. Yeah, Mike, I agree. I think with Ziyech, there's just such an element of, of of surprise. He can change that pace. He can come onto his left foot and he can just be devastating. And then he was out injured uh, for a few game weeks. And, and since he came back, he's just been explosive and he's been brilliant. But um, if we're going to go left field... Looking down the table, I was crunching the numbers with Franz Sol and uh, El Kiate of Ado Den Haag as well. And um, with Nasser El Kiate of Ado, he scored 14 of their 23 goals in the Eredivisie this season. Um, they'd be rock bottom if it wasn't for his goals. And with, same with Franz Sol of Willem Tue. Uh, they'd be rock bottom without his goals. They've only scored six goals. Uh, six of their goals have been without him. Um, so if, the, if you're looking at integral players and you're looking at them, and they're obviously at the top of the goal scoring charts. Um, but it is hard to look beyond the likes of Ziyech and Tadic and De Jong. And even though he's been dipped a few, in, in recent weeks, Chucky Lozano at PSV. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's so hard to look past Ajax and PSV players. Yeah, OK, that is a good shout. Um, he has been influential for Adler and Haag. Uh, five goals have been the first goal scored as well in the match. But yeah, I, I, I wonder if he could make it a top three club. He spoke this week about moving to a bigger club um, and whether or not he can make it. I think he wants that move now. He's 30 years old, um, only just now coming into the prime of his career. Charlie, do you think he can make it at a bigger club, um, abroad or in the area of his Yeah, well, it's it's a risky one, isn't it? You just mentioned his age. And he said after the game uh, just now, he scored two goals in that home draw against Feyenoord and two tool. Uh, he wants to play football. Uh, so it will be a, it will be something he'll be thinking about. And, and I don't know whether the offers will come in. Um, I think he could be decent at Feyenoord if he played, uh, but probably not the the likes of PSV and Ajax, maybe Utrecht uh, or RZ. Um, but definitely, it'd be nice to see him go to go to one of those clubs and, and maybe have a maybe kind of a have a have a resurgence in a way, kind of bloom quite late as a footballer. And I think as well, it we um, the move he deserves. He's been pushing hard for this for the past season and a half, and I think yeah, Feyenoord's a good shout for him. I think uh, for myself, I think for the player of the season so far, I think it should be Luke de Jong. I think he's really carried this PSV team. Um, I am just trying to pick someone a little bit different. I do think Hakim Ziyech has been outstanding. Uh, but you kind of grow to know what to expect from Ziyech. Um, and he's just outgrown the league, plain and simply. Whereas Luke de Jong's come back from a poor patch in his career. I think that's twice that's happened to him now. The first time was when he tried to move abroad and it didn't quite work out for him. But also the second time. Um, at PSV even when he was doing fantastic and won the league with them but then the season after he really struggled for goals um, but he's back with a vengeance now and he's leading the side um, by example um, and he was doing a good job in Europe too he was a threat 
um, particularly in the air. But now he's now he's having to concentrate in the area de Bizzou, and I think he's really, really thirsty for that another league title. Um, we spoke about good players in the league then, and also some further down the league. But has anyone disappointed for you so far this season, player-wise or club-wise? I think for me, there's two clubs that have flopped, and that's obviously AZ Alkmaar. They did so well last season, and have not been able to follow it up. They've been unlucky with injuries. I think if Myron Bordeaux was, was fit, they'd be higher in the table. Um, obviously, they lost Johan Bakash and Vekhorst, which was, was crucial for them. Bjorn Jonsson's not been able to to come in and have an impact. Um, and John Van den Brom's away at the end of the season. I think this is going to be a tough campaign for them. But um, at the other end of the table, uh, Pex Voa sitting in 16th. It was last year that they were saying there's a restructuring at the club and they were aiming for you know top five finish every year. They're going to battle for Europe and they're aiming to be the best of the rest in the, the Eredivisie. Um, and this season's just been a disaster for them so far. And they brought in a lot of young talents in the summer and it's just not worked and um, I was expecting some big things from him but yeah John Van Skip's been sacked and we'll see who they bring in I think Yap Sam has been mentioned that would be an interesting appointment but I expect uh, a lot more for them in the second half of the season definitely yeah I think Groningen have been a bit disappointed um, I thought they were going to have a resurgence recently but it, with only one win from their last five it, it's it's been a shame they've only won four games out of 17 I think they'll be they'll be safe Ultimately, because of because of the the quality of their players in Mahi and Doan and Wormadam, um, and they play enterprising football. It's just they're leaky. Um, that's their problem. Uh, but yeah, I, other than other than other than Peck um, and RZ, I'd yeah, I'd go for Groningen. Yeah, I, I concur. I think Groningen have been pretty poor. Uh, Doan and Mahi are carrying them at the moment, but even then, like, they've really they had a bit of a resurgence, but it's kind of died off again, and they're still sitting in fifteenth. Um, level on points with 17th it's not been great from them at all uh, but I think the bigger flop has been RZ uh, John van der Brom's leaving at the end of the season but I, I still don't think that he can he's had, he's had a very good um, few seasons before now with RZ but I think he's kind of let himself down with this with the transfer window he had last summer didn't strengthen enough they knew they were losing Johan Bach and Verhorst have not recovered from it well at all um, and they just really lack quality in attack and um, I think if we're going to talk in terms of players that have flopped, not just talking Eredivisie, but also Dutch national team here, but Hustil, um, how disappointing he has been this season. He's been given the captaincy, five-year contract with RZ, and I don't think he's been the same at all this season. Perhaps it's because he's not playing with those quality players around him, um, or a, a reliable, regular striker in front of him. A midfielder, Sunchens, has been played in front of him. Um, who's not a natural striker. Bjorn Janssen, a new signing, hasn't really lived its expectations in attack. Uh, but Till hasn't, hasn't been able to feed off um, anyone around him as well. And I think it's just led to him having a really poor season, probably quite low on confidence now as well. There's another couple as well we can look at is, you know, Yasin Ayub, you know, big big player for Utrecht over the past few years. He's not got a game this season so far for uh, Feyenoord, basically. And um, Mario Cassiera, Groningen, top goal scorer for Young Ajax last season in the second division, went to to Groningen to get his career back on track, and he's he's done absolutely nothing, as well. Yeah, the two flops I've written down here are Ayub as well and um, Bjorn Jonsson uh, for for RZ. Ayub maybe like his outgoing compatriot Karim El Hamadi could have made an impact at Feyenoord in that midfield. Um, Jordi Klassi has been picking up a couple of injuries of late, 
Uh, so I thought Ayub could have done a bit more, yeah. Yeah, good shouts again. Um, let's take a more positive spin on this, then. So we've talked about uh, the best players, but also the biggest flops of the season so far, biggest disappointments. Uh, let's talk about some of the, our favourite young players to watch this season. Um, Mike, would you like to go first on that one? Yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of people are expecting the, the big names, you know, the Deluxe and the Frankie de Jongs to, to be on top of my list. But I've actually, number one for me has been Steven Bergvine um, for PSV. Over the past couple of years, you know, when Memphis Depay was at PSV, they were already talking about Bergvine being his successor and there was so much hype around him. I don't think he really lived up to it for his first couple of years. Like PSV won the title, but I don't think Bergvine was at top of the game. And until now, I think we're seeing what the real Bergvine can do. He's popped up with seven assists, nine goals so far. He was you know, one of our best players in our Champions League campaign. Um, he's frightening defences at the moment with his pace. And his shooting ability, and I think he's only going to get better from now until the end of the season. Um, and I think that you know there's a lot of big clubs right now circling Delict and De Jong, um, understandably. But I think the same's going to be said for Bergvine next summer. I think there's going to be a lot of clubs clambering from because I think right now he's he's starting to show that he's you know a big big attacker in the future, and he's already in the Dutch national team. And I think that when he's fit, he will be a starter for for Netherlands going forward. Um, on the right-hand side of the attack. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a huge, huge talent for Netherlands for the next four or five years and to come. Um, yeah, he's going to be a top player. Yeah, I agree with Mike. Um, I went with Bergwijn. He was the first name I wrote down. Uh, second name I wrote down was Angelino um, from PSV, left-back. Uh, when I was at the game against Herenveen, he was absolutely brilliant. He was my man of the match, even though Luke de Jong stole the show with that bicycle kick. Um, his pace, he, he hugs that touchline. He, he owns it. He terrifies the right-back. Um, he he receives the ball from from the other side and he just controls it. In he comes inside um, and he just has a good repertoire. Um, yeah, other than De Jong and De Ligt, Donny Van der Beek deserves a mention in recent weeks. He's been brilliant. Um, could be getting in that Dutch team. Uh, he should be pushing himself to do that. You know, he's only twenty one. Uh, he was integral in that big seven one win away at Excelsior for Ajax, I think, at the beginning of the month. Uh, Ritsu Doan. Obviously, at Groningen, really, really top talent. He's got a lot of Japanese supporters coming over. Uh, Denzel Dumfries uh, for PSV, right back. Uh, he's been brilliant. Also really good for the national team as well, uh, which is really good to see. And, and it looks like he's going to be the, the nation's right back in years to come. Yeah, uh, good list there. Um, I think on the point of Van der Beek, we had a question from Gareth this week thank you again for the sending in your questions and always keep doing that send them in on all of our platforms youtube or twitter um, we'll get them and we'll receive them we'll put one on our next podcast um our question was from gareth and he would like he he was wondering about van der beek he said with frankie de jong and matthias de Ligt always being praised and rightly so does donny van der beek get forgotten about i personally rate him and I think he's underrated i think I, if i just kick that off um i have to say with van der beek that he's had, um, he had a, a, a dodgy start to the season. He was kind of getting forgotten about, put on the bench quite a lot, and he wasn't happy about it. But I think that was just a masterstroke from Eric Ten Hag. He knew how to get the best out of him. He's really keen um, to prove a point. He, he sat him on the bench a few times, and um, when he did get the opportunity to play, by God, he, he took it. Um, and now look at him, he's in the, in the first team, regular, um, and he's getting relied upon. I think saying he's underrated is a little bit, a little bit of a top for me. I think he's a good player, 
But so far, he hasn't kicked on to become one of Ajax's quality players, one that will stand out. Um, but that's my opinion. What do you guys think? Yeah, for me, I think that you know Frank de Jong and Matthijs Select get talked about so much because they've got that something a little bit extra that's a bit special. Um, I think Donny van de Beek's a great player. I think he'll have a great career, but for me, he's got touches of David Klassen about him. I think he might be a bit more technical than David Klassen, but that's the sort of career I can see him having going forward. Um, you know, he's an expert at getting space around the box and he scores goals, he scores more goals than, than Frankie de Jong and he probably possesses more assists as well. He's more of an attacking player. But I don't think he's got that something a little bit extra. I don't think he's got that dribbling ability or you know, explosive shot from distance um, that would take him to the next to the next level. Um, I think he's probably, after Ziyech, um Tadic, Frank de Jong, Matthijs Ligt, he's, he's probably the next one after that um, in their midfield. And I think, yeah, he's, he's, he's a good talent. He's just not an exceptional talent. Yeah, I have to agree. That comment about David Klaas was spot on. I was thinking exactly the same. I think they're going to have a very similar career. Yeah, I mean, he he's not like a Rolls Royce kind of kind of player that you've got like with De Jong and De Ligt. Um, he's a bit more robust. He, he, but I what, what I like about him is he does he does bomb forward. He wants to get into the box and he wants to and he he could grab some important goals for us going forward. Um, and it's and you need those players in your team. You need the players that aren't going to be looking for the headlines and aren't going to be looking to impress. They just want to give their commitment uh, going forward and, and, and in defence as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting seeing that the kind of the tip of a, of a midfield three with, um, with Schoener and De Jong slightly behind him um, and him getting forward. And he's not afraid to get his head, his head on things and, and, and stick out a boot. And he, he provided a couple of nice back kills against the Grashrup. So um, you guys may have been slightly unfair to him. He's got a bit of flair, but yeah, probably not overall. Yeah, fair point. Um... We'll see how his career gets on, and a good player nonetheless. Um, now let's let's look back upon 2018 a little bit more, and let's start thinking about um, Dutch national team. We've had a fantastic year. Um, Ronald Koeman was appointed at the start of the year, and he hasn't even had that many games in charge. And we'll already look at the progress that the, the Netherlands have made. Um, just want to get what, what your guess, what your favourite moment one was of the whole of 2018 with regards to the Dutch national team. For me, it's you know you've got to you got to look at the three 0 win over Germany, and that's that's the top moment. That's the moment that you know you look back on and see that's the result that says that Netherlands are back. You know, dismantling Germany. Um, better rivals hadn't you know beaten them for years, and then you absolutely smashed them to bits and deserved to beat them three 0 Um, I think that's just testament to what Cummins brought and the confidence that he brought. You know, they started. A bit shaky, but as soon as they got the first goal, they, they dominated and they, they won easily. I think that's what the the factor is about this Netherlands team now. They're, they're a confidence team. They're so full of confidence now that they know they can beat anyone. And that's that showed against Germany. It showed in the games against France as well. Um, you know, this team doesn't fear anyone anymore. And it's great to go in, into such a crucial year like 2019 that there's so much faith now in the Dutch national team, which was lacking. At this point last year, I think everyone went into 2018 thinking, oh, no, we've got Nations League coming up with France and Germany. We're going to finish bottom of that. They were going to get a bad draw for you know, Euro 2020 and it could be another disaster. But Cummins brought everything round. Um, there's so much talent in this Dutch national team now. And you just got to look forward to the next two years uh, heading into a new major tournament. Yeah, I agree with Mike. I, I'd go with the France game. Uh, that was my highlight because that was kind of the evidence of the evolution. Um, 
they they were complete control of the game. Griezmann and, and Mbappe barely had a touch. It was just a dominant performance from back to front, uh, with Wijnaldum and Memphis getting the goals, the uh, PSV guys. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. They made Lloris, they kept Lloris so busy in goal. It could have been so many many more goals. Um, and it was just great to see the scenes at De Kuyp. And then it could have been all for nothing uh, when they were 2-0 down against Germany, but then Van Dijk popped up uh, when it when it mattered. And, and it's all it's all happening at the right time, I feel like, for the national team with Van Dijk and Wijnaldum doing so well at Liverpool. Um, and the the progression of these players in the Eredivisie as well, supplementing that. For me, I think the, that, that result there, the 2-2 in Germany, because... Um... There was always positive performances at home, but I think the highlight has to be getting that goal that sends them through to the Nations League semi-finals, um, and that the, we we had that faith that a goal would have been coming, and a comeback was always in the cards. And you just think to a year ago, as as short as that, and what hope the Netherlands would have had in that kind of game if, if back then, um, or two years ago, when when there was poor leadership, um, the players weren't playing for the manager, there was very few tactical ideas. On the pitch, and the progress that's been made is 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 unreal, I think. And um, yeah, that they, they, they you just always had that feeling that when they were in Germany that they were always going to get that positive result, and so they did. Um, but let's look ahead to two thousand and nineteen. Uh, what what kind of things have we got to look forward to, Mike? Well, I've got obviously the Ajax Real Madrid game um, coming up. That's in February. Then I've got the Nations League semi final against England. I think that's going to be a a massive game. Um, you know, I think Kuhlman lost his first game against England and he's going to want to show the progress they've made since then. Um, you know, listening to a lot of, you know, the podcasts in, in Britain, I think that when the draw was made, you know, there's a bit of overconfidence around England at the moment and uh, I think they were very happy um, to get Netherlands over, say, a Portugal. But, you know, they haven't faced this Netherlands side and I think... Uh, I'm interested to see what the likes of Frankie de Jong in Memphis can do to them now. Um, then after that, we've got the European Championship qualifying. You know, that will start kicking in. Um, we've got home games against Germany and Belarus to kick that off. And then summer, we've got a big big tournament for the Netherlands women uh, national team as well. They head into World Cup is, uh, with a good good draw and is defending European champions. So, you know, Netherlands women could be the first... Dutch side to win a World Cup, and um, which would be you know amazing for women's football in this, uh, the Netherlands um, going forward. Yeah, we've already spoken about this Eredivisie title race being really exciting. That's obviously something to look forward to, and and like Mike said, the Champions League. Um, but it's got to be for us, you know, as 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 guys based in Britain, um, looking at it from from uh, an English perspective in a way. Uh, would be would be the game against England and yeah how Koeman can react and he's such an experienced manager and I think he's been so key um, because he's got the structure he knows what he wants from the team and he's just got that know-how of the Eredivisie itself and he's got the pedigree and and he's got knowledge of the Premier League as well so he'll know about this England team he'll know what Southgate's trying to do he'll be used to those players Um, so it'll be really really exciting to see how the Netherlands can maybe prove some people wrong because if, if if we are saying that people are under underestimating um, the the national team, then 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 let them. But I don't think there should be at all. If you know anything about football, you should be seeing that the Netherlands coming out of a group from the last two world champions. They're they're a really really good side, and they're going to get even better. Yeah, they're going to get better and better um, as they ready themselves for their semi finals. But also for Euro twenty twenty, which 
well, it's not far along uh, away at all when you think about it. Um, one of our final topics this week is the breaking news about Frank de Boer um, as he's been placed in charge um, at uh, Atlanta United in, 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 in the USA. Uh, Mike, I just want to get your thoughts on it and is this a good move to Boer in terms of his career? Um, having seen the, the dodgy past few years he's had. Yeah, for me it was a bit of a shock to see that when the news broke that he was going to Atlanta because it was all in one day that in the morning it broke that you know, Anderlecht basically had a deal with him that fell through at the last minute. Then he came out saying that he was close to terms with a club um, he was hoping it was going to get done. And then it was basically announced by a Dutch newspaper that it was Atlanta United in America, um, who are you know, heading into the season as defending MLS champions. And for me, I would just question what Frank de Boer, what he thinks he can improve on this side. Um, you know, if they're already MLS champions, you know, what more can he achieve there? Um, I know he can get defend his title and then maybe um, earn his reputation back in America. But I think Anderlecht, you know, the club... In, in Belgium, you know, they finished outside the, the champion spot for the past couple of years, losing it to Club Bruges. I think that would have been a, a bigger opportunity for him to to prove himself again. I think that in the MLS, you know, any side can basically win it every year the, the way that, you know, the draft system works and a lot of United's best players are getting linked to moves elsewhere. I'm just, I'm just curious to think why he chose this path for himself. You know, he's always spoke about He's, he's rejected moves in the past because he wants the right the right club after having such a disaster at Crystal Palace and at the Milan. Um, it just seems strange to me that he'd pick a club that, for me, can only really go down next year if they don't defend their, the championship. That's really it. Um, and it could hurt his reputation even more if he doesn't do anything in the MLS. Um, whereas I think Andrew, like the pressure would have been awful a bit more. And uh, Club Bridge are obviously the best side in that. In that league with standard wage, and I, th I think he could have molded the side there better. But um, you know, it's a strange one. We'll see how he gets on. Um, I hope I'm the best, but I just don't think it's the right career move from at this moment. Yeah, I agree with Mike. I, I, it's, it's so left field. I don't really understand it. Um, if he stayed in Europe, he could have maybe cultivated his reputation a bit more. Um, with Anderlecht maybe being in Europa League football, making that impression, staying in kind of same infrastructure, playing same kind of tactical systems and and with players all on the same page. But with with Atlanta, from what I've seen, um, they're probably going to lose Miguel Amoron, a really good playmaker for them, and, and obviously Joseph Martinez, their star striker, who scored, I think, the a record a number of goals in, a, in an MLS season. Yeah, they've got a great infrastructure at the club. Their Mercedes-Benz Stadium is, is amazing. It's, it's lovely. Um, the fan base is really good as well. But if, even if he wins the title... Even if he regains it without these two star players, what's he proved to anyone? Can anyone kind of quantify that success from a European perspective? Because that's where he wants to be. Um, unless he kind of wants to be an MLS legend, I, d I don't know what he's, what, he's, what he's trying to do. Maybe, I don't know whether he sees it as an easy job, um, but even so, it's going to be difficult. Um, and as I, as I repeat, um, what's he, what does he prove to anyone by winning this, as Mike said? Yeah, I don't think he's made the top at all um, in Europe as a manager, but as a quite a damning opinion, I suppose. Uh, I think after his first couple of years at Ajax, he grew a little bit overconfident with his abilities. Um, he ended up seeing players uh, not really playing as much for him anymore. And in, in his final title success, 
uh, that he had, there was some insipid football. And if it wasn't for the, the other opposing teams being so poor, then um, then Ajax would have been over, easily overrun if finished second or third that season. So he was made to look very good by winning so many titles in a row at Ajax. Um, there was a lot of defensive football. It was not good in Europe, really poor record. Um, not even making the later stage of the, of the Europa League, getting thrown out by weakened teams, just Dinamo Bucharest, I remember, on penalties. Um, and yeah, no, he at Palace, I think, I can't speak too much about Inter Milan, but I know at Palace, the, the players always complained about um, they weren't happy with how he was given the tactics and it was all too much change and he was joining in too much with the players at training and showing them up even with his footballing skills. And um, yeah, there, there's all sorts of talk about how the players didn't like that. But I think I can see sort of on their side that perhaps some of his methods were a bit too far away from what they were used to. Um, it's too much introduced at once and maybe was a little bit deluded into thinking it would be an easy job at Crystal Palace. Um, clearly it wasn't and it didn't last very long in the job. Uh, but I don't, I don't think he's all that made out for the top um, as a manager in Europe. Yeah, I agree with that, Michael. I, I mean... He... Ajax, I think they, they were winning t titles with around 70 points plus. In the last three seasons, we've seen PSV Feyenoord um, hitting over 80. So they're, they're maybe more resounding, it's more competitive. Whereas I agree with your point, in, the, in those four titles, yeah, there were really great moments, obviously, because you're winning four titles in a row. But yeah, you're kind of dropping that level a bit, maybe. And, and yeah, the football's not as great and they're selling a lot of players and... The Palace, the Palace appointment was a disaster. I think Jose Mourinho called him the worst coach of Premier League history, and he's probably not far off. Um, he he didn't get backed in the summer window, but then at the same time he didn't help himself. Um, he did bring in the Dutch influence with Fozzie Mensah and, and Riedewald, um, but there was just that there was just no structure. I think you got to look at his two successes really. If you look at them, you know Marcel Kaiser and. And Peter Bosch and the jobs that they've got recently, you know, Kaiser's doing such a great job in, in Portugal with Sporting, you know, won six games out of six. And Peter Bosch is today's has been named a new Bayer Leverkusen job. I think if you're looking at Dutch coaches that have an exciting future, you're looking more at them too than, than Frank de Boer at the moment. I think he's sort of, yes, as Michael says, I think his time in the top of Europe is, is done. Um, and I don't think he'll be named in the running for the Dutch national team in the future either. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's kind of hurt his career with this move as well. Yeah, that was a close shave, wasn't it? We almost handed up with Frank de Boer's Dutch national team coach, and thank goodness we didn't have that one. <laughs> uh, well, Charlie, Mike, is there anything else you'd like to discuss in this podcast? Well, we covered quite a lot there today, guys. Um, it was nice to do kind of an end of season, not awards, but kind of mentions to the, to the best that we've seen. Um, and like revelation players as well, those coming through. It's a really bright future for Dutch football in, in domestic terms, also internationally. That's what I'm really enjoying about Dutch football at the moment. And, and I think more people are going to get into it and, and Ajax can do really well to to beat Real Madrid and, and, and would, would raise their profile a lot more, especially their players. Yeah, I think it's just, it's great to be heading into a new year, so positive about everything about Dutch clubs in you know, the last 16 in Europe. We can look forward to that. We can look forward to the Dutch national team being back, playing at the top of, top of Europe, I think. Next year's also going to be a great year and there's so much interesting things that are going to happen in 2019. You've got, obviously, the summer transfer window we'll see eventually where Frankie de Jong, Matthijs de Ligt and Alexis Steven Bergwijn, where they'll end up um, and how their careers will progress. And then we'll see the players that are going to replace them. I mean, 
you say they'll be gone, but then Ajax, Feyenoord's Academy, PSV's Academy, they're producing so many talents at the moment that in the next year, the next season, we'll be talking about some more players that are, are coming through. And it's, it's great to be a Dutch football fan at the moment because there's so much good talent around. Well, um, Charlie, Mike, thanks for joining me on this podcast. And uh, I'd like to wish all listeners uh, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, find a Kerstarker if you're Dutch and we'll release a new podcast very soon. Cheerio. Cheerio.